You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, a number of years ago, something happened to me that's just truly funny. And uh, in fact, after 30 years of ministry or so, it's the funniest thing that, that I have ever experienced in my life. There was a a team from our church that was on in China on a mission trip. And so we were sharing the gospel uh, among college students and who were learning English. So we didn't really need translators or anything like that. And, uh, and it was a small team. So there were three guys and there was one uh, high school, a young high school girl that was with us. And our local host, who was just there kind of making sure that, that everything went well and was helping us as we shared the gospel with people that he would in turn follow up with those individuals. He discovered along the way, or we discovered, and he shared, he says, I've never been baptized. And because it was in China, there's underground church and the gospel's moving forward, he didn't really have a church that he was a part of. He was working with missionaries. And normally I would say, well, go talk to your pastor. Well, he didn't have a pastor. He didn't have anybody in that world. And so it kind of became a very unusual situation. And so we said, all right, well, our last night in China, we'll go we'll find a place and baptize you. And, you know, the hotel that we stayed at, it's, I'm not exaggerating, it was like one, maybe one and a half star. I mean, cigarette burns and the, you know, the comforter and just like it wasn't very comfortable and all of that. And we didn't have a bathtub in our, in our, in our room. In fact, none of the rooms did. And so, you know, Peter said, well, I found a space to be baptized. And we're like, okay. And I didn't know where we were going to go. I just followed him. You know, like, you're another country. You don't know the rules. You don't read and know any of the signs or anything. And so we start walking out, and I noticed that Peter didn't have a bag with him. I thought, huh, I guess he's just going to get wet and go home, just pants and shirt and everything soaking wet. And we walked down the hall in the hotel into another part of the hotel that I'd never been in, and it was night and day difference. This was like five-star, and just attendants, white shirts, and bow ties. And I'm like, I've been here all week long. What, what, what? Like, how come I'm in this, you know, the low rent district? How come I'm not over here? And, uh, hey, Vinny, Lynn's over here. Come, uh, so Don is getting baptized. He's got lots of friends. And I saw Vinny checking him out. So these are guys that we've known a long time. Jump on in, man. You're good to go. And so we walked into that nice bow tie area. And, uh, and, and the guys take us into like a little registration desk to sign in. And I'm just like, man, this is kind of swanky. This is nice. You know, what's he got? And we go into this other room right behind the desk. And it's a locker room like benches, kind of a long locker room, and beautiful wood veneer, little, you know, little 18-inch by 18-inch lockers. And they opened three doors, one for my dad, me, and, and Peter, the guy's getting baptized. And Peter starts just ripping his clothes off. And he's right next to me. If you've ever been to China, there's so many people, the sense of personal space is small. I mean, like you walk down the street, there's just like people everywhere. And so Peter's, you know, right next to me. And he's stripping down butt naked and putting all of his clothes in the locker. And I'm just like, I'm going to baptize a naked guy. <laughs> I thought, that's crazy. I began rethinking my career path, you know? Like, why, was, why couldn't I be Presbyterian or something? It's a lot easier, you know? Just a little bit of water. And, and they, keep in mind, they opened a the locker for me. And so I'm kind of not catching up on everything very fast. And I kind of roll up my sleeves and... They want me to put something in. So I took my shoes and socks off, and I kind of look at Peter. I'm like, is this okay? And he's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, all right. We kind of turn the corner, and I look into a room. It's probably about the size of this whole space, like kids' space and everything. Big, huge room. And there's a line of showers on this wall and on that wall, and there's two dudes showering here. And, and I look across the room, and it's like a 20 by 20 marble hot tub, the biggest kind of hot tub thing that I'd ever seen in my life. And all of a sudden, it hits me. I got to get in. I can't baptize this guy on the outside. I get in on the inside. And then the attendants with the bow ties, there's like, you know, there's nothing going on. There's like four attendants in this room. There's like five of us. It's like a one-to-one ratio. And they start talking and everything, like really excited and upset. And all of a sudden I realize, like, uh-oh, I'm broken a social faux pas kind of thing. And I realize I'm in a Chinese bathhouse. Like, you don't wear clothes in a Chinese bathhouse. Nobody told me. I thought we were going to like another, you know, room that just had a bathtub, and I got to take my clothes off. And so I go back, and I'm like, seriously? 
I'm like, how do I get into things like this? Like, seminary never told me about this. My missions class, all they told was crazy stories about eating funky food. They never said anything about stripping down, you know. And I, I'm like, I got to do this. I'm like, are you serious, God? Like, this is crazy. Couldn't we just, like, do something else? And so my dad, same thing. All he had on was his passport, you know, just <laughs> swinging around his neck. Because you're in another country. You don't leave your passport in a locker. I'm sorry, you know. It's just like, I want to leave this place, you know. So I'm like, here, hold on to mine, you know. And we go in the other room and get in. And I'm just like, I can't believe this is happening. I'm thinking, well, at least I can get in the water. My poor dad's standing out here, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I not only never laid hands on a naked guy before, I've never been like, like that, you know, kind of like, can we, you know, as far as we can go. And I'm thinking, boy, I always complain about the doctor's office, those little thin gowns, little paper gowns. I'm like, you better got one of those. I'd feel pretty good right now if I could wear one of those. And so I baptized Peter and, and, he had never seen a baptism before. He had only seen like a, a, a movie, a video of it, because again, he's not in church. And I'm sitting around like, this guy is called to ministry. He's going to baptize other people. So the pressure is kind of like to get it right. You know what I mean? It's like, he's going to do whatever I do, hopefully with clothes. <laughs> you know, I like, guess it's not normal. And we get out of there, and the two guys who are showering were watching the whole thing. And they, they start talking to Peter. And so we're just kind of standing there. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And Peter's like, yeah, they're asking why I did this. And so Peter starts sharing the gospel with them, telling them about Jesus. And I'm like, great, five naked guys just standing in a Chinese bathhouse. I don't even know how you stand cool, you know? You're just like, what do you... Like, I'm like, can we... Like, 15 feet is modesty. Can I go in and we carry on the conversation? It's just ridiculous, like just crazy ridiculous. See, Peter to this day has no idea what he did to me culturally. It was my job as the foreigner to bend to their culture. To him, it was natural and normal, and that's why I rolled with it. Just so you know, I've never done a naked baptism before or since, so we want to encourage people to be baptized. Don and I will both be fully clothed, thankfully, this morning. But I tell you that story for two reasons. I was so proud of Peter that in a country where you are persecuted for your faith, that he got baptized not in a corner somewhere in a little bathtub, but he was willing to publicly among people that he did not know and who could ask the question, why did you do that? And that he was proudly willing to proclaim, I did that because of Jesus in my life. And the second reason I tell you this, too, is because baptism is not a comfortable thing. Let's be honest. You know, it's kind of like, Sean's so weird. Like, everybody else is dry. And, like, it's one thing if we're all at a pool party and you just put me under and whatever. But the issue is not our comfort. The issue is about what God told us to do and about what we should do. So it's been a long time since we've baptized anybody. We've only seen like one person in the last two or three years baptized, COVID and all just kinds of weirdness. And so we're going to talk this morning about the who, what, where, when, why, and how kind of a, a baptism, all right? So I'm not going to share it in that order, but I want to unpack for you just... What is baptism? Why do we do it? How should we do it? And in, in, in our church family, we have people who've grown up in all different kinds of traditions and churches. Some have been churches. Some of you didn't grow up in church whatsoever, and it's new. And some did it, grew up in a church where it meant one thing, and some of you in a church that meant another thing, or maybe do it this way or not that way. Well, we just want to kind of cut through the fog as best as we can, and just what is this all about, and why do we do it? So I don't usually do this if you were part of River. I'm grateful that Don's got friends here, but we usually kind of open a passage and kind of camp out there. But the Bible, as I've shared many times before, it's not written like an encyclopedia. You can't just go to Wikipedia and look up all there is about a topic. You know, it, it hits lots of things just in real life throughout it. And baptism's like that. And so we're going to hit a whole bunch of verses to try to put together what it is all about. And so listen to these, or you can see them on the screen as well. But listen to these passages as I read to them, kind of quick, rapid fire to kind of just populate our, our minds of just what, the, the truth is about what this is. So Acts chapter 2, most of these are out of the book of Acts. Acts is the telling of the story of the gospel after Jesus is risen from the dead. And the 
And the gospel is spread through his apostles and through the church of Jerusalem, and it goes and it begins to go throughout all of the world. And we see a pattern of people receiving the gospel, trusting in Jesus, surrendering to him as Lord and Savior, and they're getting baptized as a testimony of that. And so we start in chapter 2 of Acts, where Peter, one of his first sermons that he's preaching, and he, he says this, and their Bible says this, after he finished preaching a sermon telling about what Jesus did on the cross, shared with them the gospel, and the Bible says in Acts 2.40, it says this, and with many other words, he, talking about Peter, bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. That's a message that everybody needs to hear, that we are sinful, we are crooked and messed up, and God made His way of salvation. That's why Christmas is so wonderful, is because it is God giving us His gift of salvation. And Peter's saying, save yourself from this crooked and messed up generation. So, and here's the result of this. So those who received His word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. You're going to hear a pattern. People hear the word of the gospel, the message of salvation. They respond to it, and they get baptized. Acts chapter 8. But when they believed Philip, Philip was one of the very first deacons. He was not a pastor. He was not an apostle. He was an early deacon in the church. He was a, an evangelist, if you will. And the Bible says when they believed Philip, he was sharing the gospel as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. They were, both, they were baptized, both men and women. He shared on the spot. They're like, hey, let's get baptized. Verse 38, after that, the Bible says that, that, that God the Holy Spirit sent, uh, sent Philip on his way, and he sees a man, a, and a, and someone from Ethiopia in a chariot, and God sends him over and says, hey, go talk to that man. And he hears him reading the book of Isaiah, the very passage where it talks about Jesus' crucifixion. I wish we had time to kind of unpack and look at all of these. And so Philip begins telling him about Jesus, and he hears this incredible message, and then after he hears it, here's what the, the Ethiopian says to him. He says this, He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He heard the message of salvation, he received it, and he got baptized. Chapter 16 of Acts, this one's Philip, or this one's uh, Paul, excuse me. And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia. Phil, uh, Paul had gone to the city of Philippi, to share the gospel, and as he did, in every city that he went, he always went to where the local gathering of Jews were. They were often in a synagogue, but if there were so few Jews in a city, their tradition was that they would gather down by the river. It's kind of nice. We couldn't really do that here in January. I mean, we could, but we'd all be wearing a whole lot of clothes and not a lot of fun. It help, helps when it's a warmer climate. So Peter or Paul excuse me, said, hey, where do the local Jews worship? And he went and he met them. And he met this woman named Lydia down by the river, as it were. And she was a worshiper of God. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her whole household as well, she heard the message, responded, and she got baptized. And her family heard the message and responded and were baptized. In, verse six, in chapter 16, verse 31, Paul then, in the same city of Philippi, the officials heard about what he was doing, said he's stirring up trouble, and he threw Paul and Silas in prison. So they're sitting in prison, and an earthquake happens. The angel uh, of the Lord um, unbuckles their, their shackles, and they stayed there. And a guard who was responsible to keep watch over them, when he saw the doors were open miraculously and saw that they were freed, assumed that everybody had escaped, drew his sword and was about to commit suicide. That's crazy. Well, you got to realize the Roman Empire was harsh. If you were a soldier on duty and you lose a prisoner, it's the death penalty. And better to die now than to be a spectacle in front of someone later. And so he was about to kill himself, and Paul said, Hey, stop. None of us have left. We're all here. And God used that, just that amazing thing. What prisoner stays in prison when they're set free? See, the earthquake wasn't to free Paul and Silas. The earthquake was what God used to get the, the jailer's attention to show him there was a gospel and a God that he needed. And he says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And here's what Paul says in verse 31. Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. In other words, 
All you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe on Him as your Lord. Surrender your life to Him as your Savior because He died on the cross and He rose again as King Jesus. You believe on Him and you'll be saved. And if your household believes on Him, they'll be saved. Sometimes people make a mistake. They think, well, he believed and then later his household did. No, they heard the message too and they got saved. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house, everybody who could hear it. And he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Acts 18, Paul's in another city, the city of Corinth. And this time Crispus, the Bible says in verse 8, the ruler of the synagogue believed in the Lord. He heard the message of Jesus. He responded and put his faith and trust him as his Lord. And together with his entire household, he believed and his household believed. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. You see the pattern and the trend that Baptism comes after a person receives in their heart. They know the Lord Jesus as Savior of their, their life, as the one who gave their life to pay for their sins. That He did what they could not possibly do. He paid the full penalty, the full price tag. You and I are not, it is not possible. We don't have enough money in the world. We don't have enough good things that we could do to ever come the wrong that we've done. But Jesus does. And his, this, our righteous Lord paid the price on the cross so that we could be saved. When we put our trust in what He did and stop trusting in what we do, put our trust in only what He could do and stop trusting what religion or a church could do for us, then the Bible says that we are saved. We are forgiven of our sins. And the testimony of that, the signature event that tells the world that I've done this on the inside and so on the outside I want you to see it and I'm being baptized. That's the pattern of the Bible. Look in Mark chapter 1. There are three, believe it or not, this might get a little confusing. We're going to get a little technical here. This is not a normal message and I know that, but I'm trying to help us unpack everything. Believe it or not, there's three different kinds of baptisms in the New Testament. There's not one. We often think of just one, but there's actually three. One, we're used to. A person believes on Jesus, and, they, and they're immersed and put under water as a testimony of them. That's one. That's the one that we practice today outwardly. But there's two more, and they show up here. In Mark 1, this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist came baptizing people. His baptism was actually a little bit different. They did the same thing. They, the method was the same. But the meaning was different because Jesus hadn't come yet. He wasn't crucified yet. And so he was kind of plowing up ground, removing rocks and, and cleaning things up, getting ready the world ready for Jesus. And his baptism was called a baptism of repentance. So in Mark 1, John appeared, John the Baptist, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And jumping down to verse 7, it says, And he preached, saying, After me comes who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, John's baptism was a baptism for people to say, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. And I'm going to do this on the front end of that. And it was a recognition. That's why it's called a baptism of repentance. Then there's a baptism that comes after salvation that we call a believer's baptism that was the model and the picture throughout the book of Acts. Acts was written after Jesus came. So this is, this is like John the Baptist is kind of like the link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's kind of like this intermediary situation. And he was the one to convince the world that they were sinners, that all of their good religion didn't do any good, didn't do them any favors. And so the whole world was, was the Jewish world was coming to him and they were being baptized as a testimony that they were sinners and they were admitting that. But they didn't fully know who Jesus was and what He had done and what He had come to do. So that's the second baptism. And the third one is a spiritual baptism where John says, he's like, hey, I'm nothing. I'm not worthy of Jesus to even bend down and undo His shoe. I'm baptizing water, but He's going to come. The one that I'm talking about. 
And he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, not with a physical water. It's not going to be a physical baptism. It's going to be a spiritual baptism. You see, when a person receives Jesus as Lord of their life and they surrender to him, there is a, a baptism that spiritually happens on the inside that God himself enters into that individual. No x-ray or MRI in the world could show any differences, and I cannot begin to explain to you how it works in molecular molecules and all of that. But somehow the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and there is a spiritual baptism that we can't see, we can't smell it, we can't taste it, but we see the effects of it. That's what Jesus told told Nicodemus when he was trying to understand this. He's like, it's like the wind. You don't see the wind, but you see what it's doing. We see the result of salvation, of lives changed, of God changing people. And that's the Holy Spirit in our life. And he says, that's the real baptism. That's the real one. What we do on this outside is a show. It's a God-ordained show. It's important, but it's really simply just a, an expression of what God has done on the inside. Well, Sean, I get that, but let me read two more, one more passage more at length that kind of explains this a little bit further. Paul was then later on in Corinth, and he was sharing the gospel with people. And, and so keep in mind, John the Baptist had come. He had baptized a bunch of people, and people had moved around. So there were people that were turning to God, but they didn't quite yet know who Jesus was. The word hadn't gotten around. So Paul ran into some of those people in the city of Corinth. And, and, and so it says, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country, and he came to Ephesus. Excuse me, it was at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples. And Paul said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's like, how did you, did you get the Holy Spirit? Let me head a time out. There's a lot of other things in here that churches and we all, you know, differences of, of understanding where these are. The best that I understand with Scripture is that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and it was at that point that He began indwelling and inside of, living inside of people. But there were some people that weren't there at Pentecost in Acts 2 that day that had received God. They had turned their life to Jesus. And you see a couple of instances where the apostles bump into those people. And it's kind of like, the, the Holy Spirit began coming then, and they had to kind of clean up and to go some people. But after kind of those few chapters, whenever you and I receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes today, folks. You get baptized in the Spirit that moment. God does something in your life, and He changes you. And so Paul was trying to understand. is like, okay, where are you in this? You're followers of God. You got it. I understand your sin, but have you, did you, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? And he... And they said to him, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Like, what are you talking about? We don't know anything about this. And he said, into what were you baptized then? You see, we baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so they didn't know anything about this spiritual baptism. And they said, we were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come. That is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They actually needed to be baptized a second time because the first time they didn't understand and the whole thing wasn't clear to them. And that's why John the Baptist's baptism is different. That The baptism that we experience today is a third baptism, a completely different one. There's two, actually technically two different water baptisms in Scripture. So I, I survey all of those now to get to the point where I want to walk through. So what really is baptism? What, what, what's the whole point? What is it? It's really a picture of our salvation. That's what it is. It's a picture on the outside of what God does on the Inside. Now, I want to do justice because we've all, most of us, have, I bet most of us have grown up in traditions that teach differently. And so there's, not to lose you, hang with me, all right, I'm going to give you a little bit of history in this. There's three basic views of baptism that are popular in churches today in the capital region, all right? One is, is that when you get baptized, however that happens, that it washes away original sin. That's not what the Bible teaches, and that's not what the early church originally believed. That's one view. Well, Sean, how did that come around? Well, 
when you look at what the Bible teaches and you look what the early churches did, they didn't baptize young babies, all right? They baptized adults. Every, pretty much everybody that looks back at the Bible and says, yeah, they didn't baptize infants. They recognized that it was adults. And I'll explain a little bit more in just a minute about that whole situation. But along the way, about 400 years after Jesus had come, about almost 400 years, 300 plus years after the last New Testament book was written, the church began to take on some traditions that were originally not what God said. They began to shift things a little bit, and they began to teach that baptism washed away their sins. In fact, Augustine or Augustine or St. Augustine was one of those around 400 A.D. that, that believed that. And I would agree with him on most things, but not on this thing. And he would say, you know, this, this poor guy never got baptized, and so he died, you know, when his sins. In other words, he didn't go to heaven, he went to hell, like just because he wasn't baptized. And so people began holding off on getting baptized till on their deathbed, thinking, well, I'm going to wait to get baptized. That way, when I get baptized, all my sins that I've ever done are washed away. But then you got a problem. What happens if you're riding your donkey and you get run over by a cart? You're like, uh-oh, you're kind of stuck. So then, then infant mortality begins to go high, and people are like, well, what about my kid? You know, they're three weeks old. We couldn't put them underwater. They weren't old enough. And so they began baptizing babies, trying to wash away original sin. And so this whole idea that baptism somehow washes away their sin was the church tradition changing what the Bible taught. And then it became common in the church to baptize babies to kind of take away that original thing. But then you're still sinning after that, so you kind of create this system of stuff that you do to take care of the sins after that, so that when you die, you kind of just got one little final thing that you got to do, and then everything is good, and you're buttoned up, and you can go to heaven. And it was a system that the church created that was nothing that God really designed originally. And so to this day, much of that confusion, 2,000 years or 1,500 years passes along, but that's not what we see in Scripture, not at all. Now, instead, I'm going to share with you a passage here that shows that it's a picture of our salvation. Colossians 2, the Bible says this, In Him, talking about Jesus, you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with Him in baptism, it's talking about Jesus, we were buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And you, in verse 13, who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, He's not talking about the body physically, He's talking about our simple heart. We were dead in our, our sins and our simple heart. God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses. So baptism is a picture of the salvation that God works. That as Jesus was buried and laid in that tomb, and He rose again, came out of that tomb, baptizing somebody is a picture of that. When Don goes under the water, it is a picture on the outside of what God has already done on the inside. It is a picture of Him dying to His sins, and it's a picture of His resurrection into new life. Doing that isn't what brings the new life. Nothing on the outside can change what's on the inside, right? You can put makeup on. We can do all kinds of stuff. You can put your clothes on you know, whenever you get baptized. But it doesn't change who we are on the inside. Only God does that. And so it's a picture of that. Well, Sean, I grew up in a church that didn't believe baptism washed away original sin, and we don't see the death and resurrection. We, we, didn't, we don't immerse people. I grew up where we just sprinkled water. And so what happened is after the church kind of went way, got way to the left of what the Bible taught and many hundreds of years of traditions and new things being added and all of that, around 1500, people began looking and saying, wait a minute. There's some things that aren't right here. They began comparing the Bible to what the church was doing, and they began saying, we need to get back to the Bible. 
And they began teaching that we are saved by faith alone because that's what the Bible teaches. And the church didn't like it. And it excommunicated them. And that was a time period you might have heard of the Protestant or the Protestant Reformation. Let me help you with that. That word Protestant, change the pronunciation and you'll get it. They were Protestants. They were protesting, not demonstrating angrily, and ah, but they were just saying, hey, can we have a conversation? This isn't right. We need to fix this. We're responsible to get this right. And they were trying to help bring the church back to the true gospel and the true word, but the church didn't want to hear it. And so then there became a big schism that we hear today, like, well, are you this or are you Protestant or are you whatever? And in the middle of that, they were beginning to look at everything that the church did and trying to fix it along the way, and they ended up creating new churches, new denominations, and the meaning is somewhere in the middle of all of that, of the, you know, you get baptized to wash away your sins. They kept the sprinkling of babies. They changed the meaning from washing away the sins to saying, well, this sprinkling is more of a covenant. It's a mom and dad are going to do this to kind of help that kid enter into a covenant to kind of provide a protection and a covering over them that later on one day that they will believe and will be saved but they really were still relying on tradition and not so much what going back to what Scripture says. And so the reason I shared the Colossians passage is trying to be you know, honest and objective about it. They go to this passage and says, well, circumcision is the Old Testament. Baptism is the New Testament. We circumcise babies eight days old in the Old Testament. And so therefore, baptism is like the same as circumcision. Circumcision didn't save a kid, but it just helped that kid be in the family that one day they would trust in the Messiah when they got older. And so baptism does the same thing. And the problem, if you look at this passage, is it doesn't say that. It's not trying to put the two together. In fact, it's not talking about physical circumcision or physical baptism. It's talking about the salvation that God works inside of somebody's heart in the Bible, it's very clear in the Old Testament that you circumcise babies. It should be done in eight days. That's why Jesus, when He came, was circumcised on the eighth day. And the New Testament never talks about baptizing infants. In fact, the tradition, the Scripture tradition, and we'll see a little bit more, it's, it's really adults that is. And so those are kind of the three pictures. People are, were in a church. You probably, if you were brought up in a church, you're taught, one, that you've got to be baptized, remove original sin. That's really not what the Bible teaches. You may have been taught that the baptism is a parent's your responsibility to, to baptize your, your infant, you know, as a, as a young child, to kind of be the protective covering, to, you know, to enter them into the covenant. But the problem is, is that Old Testament covenant, was just for the Jews. It was for Abraham. There's not a New Testament covenant that's based on your family as mom and dad. It's just the teaching's not there. But what is there that's plain is that baptism is an expression, a picture on the outside after a person receives and surrenders in faith to Jesus that they are old enough to understand what's going on and they trust Jesus and they want the world to know. That's what baptism is. Now let me move kind of on to the next stage and quickly. And by the way, I, I want to share these things because at some level, there's just so much confusion in all of it that churches, have, every church is, is meaning well and trying to be, do the best they know how to do. But just to be honest with you, sometimes we don't look just as clean as what the Bible says. I'm trying to do that objectively and helpful this morning. And so this may be causing questions for some of you, and I would love for us to talk afterwards. So this is not a, a judgment thing. This is just trying to say, what does the Bible say? Because at the end of the day, folks, that's what we want to follow. We don't want to follow traditions. The problem with traditions is there was once upon a time that tradition wasn't there. You know, It's like the, the, the guy that grows up in his home, and they're having their... their their, their dinner with their ham, and he cuts the ends of the ham off before he puts it in the pan. And his wife is like, why do you cut the either end of the ham off of that? It's like, I don't know. That's what my mom always did. And he calls up his mom, mom, why do we cut the ends of the ham off? It's like, well, I don't know why you do it, but I did it because my pan wasn't big enough. You know, like traditions get handed down, and they don't necessarily, you know, there was once upon a time they weren't there. So folks, as a church and as me, I'm going to follow what Jesus did, what the Bible teaches, what the apostles did, because 
I don't want to start a tradition today that gets somebody else confused later on. And it doesn't matter if it's a thousand-year tradition. Once upon a time, it was not there. We just want to do what God says to do. And that's what we're trying to unpack today. So why should we be baptized? Well, really, it's because Jesus said so, which really ought to be enough. But it's really to show our identity with Jesus. So Matthew 28 Jesus came and said to them, He just had risen from the dead and He's leaving and going to heaven and until He comes back again. And He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's like, nobody has a right to change this. No church, no country, no oppressive government, no, no uh, business owner, nobody has the right to change this. And He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's what a church is supposed to do. It's to help people who are not disciples or followers of Jesus to become that, to know who He is and to yield their life and faith to Jesus. And there's a progression. When they do that, then you baptize them. And if you baptize them, we're to continue to teach them. And that's what our whole focus as a church is, to continue that and we do it because Jesus told us to. To be honest with you, if it wasn't a command, I would have said, Peter, I really like you, but you're not worth it to me to get stripped naked here, all right? You know, I've seen China. I do not want China to see me. No offense, you know, just saying, Peter. Like, if it was optional, I wouldn't have done it. But God said, go do that with other nations, and that's where I landed up, and that's where he needed. So we do it out of obedience, but it's really, ultimately, it's, it's the identifying. It's not just a picture of salvation. This goes a bit further. It's you and me identifying with what, who Jesus is and what He did. Look what Romans 6 says. This says it in, in some ways clearer than Colossians does. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus... He's not talking about water baptism. He's not saying baptized into water. It's the spiritual baptism. We've been baptized into Christ Jesus. We're baptized into His death. We were buried, therefore, with Him, right alongside with Him, by baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, folks, here's the thing. When Jesus was crucified and His body was laid in that tomb, your sins and you were died right along with Him. And when He rose from the dead, you rose victoriously with Him in a powerful, spiritually significant way, much more than we usually take stock in. You see, some of you are like, Sean, I understand the baptism. I've heard this. I've seen it all my life. I know I'm not. What, what is in this message for me today? What's in it for you today is, is that you and I need to remember that we have been freed with our sins. And it's not just something that we did later on. But it was something that 2,000 years ago, Jesus took our sins and we died with Him. That chain has been broken in your life and you stand today freed of your sins. Even if you feel like, well, I'm caught, I'm in bondage, I know I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm caught. No, you're not. You are freed. God has saved you from that. You are absolutely freed. So baptism is a picture of that. Well, when should we get baptized? As soon after you fully surrender in faith to Jesus. Soon after that, I'm careful with young children, five and six and seven and eight and nine-year-olds. I want them to, to know Jesus. Folks, it's not complicated to be saved. It's not complex. This is not difficult. It's not easy to do because at the end of the day, you and I are humbling ourselves before God, and we don't like to humble ourselves before God. But it's not complicated. But I've learned over the years to just... Let Help a child to trust and know Jesus. But when it comes to baptism, let that kind of percolate along the way. Because I've seen too many kids that, that get baptized, but later on God was doing something in their heart, and they knew kind of they needed to be saved, but they weren't kind of there yet, right? They were trying to figure it out, but they weren't there. And so I just I don't want to give them false hope. And so we just kind of let that sit until they really seem to be ready and are asking questions, engaging. But outside of that, when you trust and receive Jesus, soon afterwards we ought to do it. Look what Acts 16 says. That very night, the Philippian jailer, he, was, he went from being lost to being saved and then getting baptized. The Bible says that he was baptized at once. 
There was not this long learning. Well, Sean, I, I, I don't know the Bible well. I feel like I need to know a little bit, a lot more. I think I need to take care of things. I know that I'm forgiven my sins. I'm still struggling. It doesn't matter. This is just telling the world that you're committing to Jesus. It's all. It's not telling the world that you're now a super saint. It's not telling the world you're never going to sin again. You will. Because what saves you is not the water. What saves you is what the Holy Spirit does in your life. And He changes us. That's a part of the whole teaching and growing. So it should happen soon after we trust Jesus. How then should a person be baptized? Well, there's three or four reasons that why immersion really is the way to do it, despite church traditions and explanations. So really, it's by immersion, if at all possible. Obviously, not everybody can experience that. Somebody might be on their deathbed in hospice care, or laying in a hospital bed that can trust Jesus. They're not going to go and get baptized. Do they absolutely have to be baptized for salvation? Absolutely not. And we might be able to do something to help them obey Jesus in the middle of it. Jesus told us to do this, so when we don't do it, we're disobeying Him. Kind of like if you were here a couple weeks ago when Saul disobeyed God, God said, yeah, I'm done with you. Wiped you off. Like, obedience is a big deal. And so... We ought to baptize in the water. So the word baptism itself means to immerse. In Greek, the original language, it means to immerse, to plunge under, to dunk somebody. It has a secondary meaning of washing. And churches and people that hold it, well, you don't need to immerse. You can just kind of you know, put water or sprinkle or whatever or pour, kind of hold of that. But 90% of the meaning is you know, to put something under. I remember my grandmother, when she would do the dishes, long before dishwashers, you know what I mean? Every house has a dishwasher. If you don't have an electric dishwasher, congratulations, you're the dishwasher, right? That's how it works. Somebody's a dishwasher. But before dishwashers, how did you wash your dishes? You filled the thing up full of water, and you submerged it to get it totally clean, and you scrubbed, right? You probably didn't have a shower hanging over your kitchen sink and kind of showering it off. You, like, you scrubbed it. So just because it means washing doesn't mean there's not submerging. But the word meant to plunge, dunk, under. When they heard that word baptizo, that's the word in Greek, they heard immerse. They didn't hear a religious right word like we've kind of created today. They just heard, hey, get dunked. Hey, get, Im get immersed. Go, go under. That was the word. So that's one reason why we see that that's what they did is important. But when you look at Scripture, look at these instances. They all went under the water. They went into the water. In verse 5 of Mark 1, I didn't read this earlier, but when Jesus was baptized, when, when John the Baptist was baptizing people, they were, he was baptizing them in the river Jordan. In verse 5, in the river. And the Bible says that the, all the country of Judea was coming. Now let's think about this. If you've got hundreds and hundreds of people you're baptizing, it's a whole lot faster to go scoop up a big pitcher of water and stand back away from the water and dip your hand and sprinkle it. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't make people wade out into the water and take their shoes off and get wet if, for no reason. They went into the water because they were going all the way under the water. He was baptizing them as a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus, later on in that passage, gets baptized. And talking about Jesus, when He came up out of the water... He was lowered under the water. When he came up out of the water, then the Spirit comes down like a dove and ascends upon him. Everybody recognizes that that's the way Jesus was baptized. That's what they did in the Bible. And for me, if that's what they did, that's what we ought to do. In fact, the early church and archaeology, they found really old, old churches that were there. They found baptistries, and they were all large enough like these that where they could put people under. Again, it was church tradition that changed those things later on. And folks, at the end of the day, I'm going to do what Jesus did. Well, Sean, you know, it's still a tradition that's been around for thousands of years. You know, why change it? Well, again, think about it this way. It would be weird if we took the, the Lord's Supper, right, or communion or Eucharist, whatever you're used to calling it, and we said, you know, instead of eating and drinking it or all of that, we're going to just change it a little bit, like just lick it. Maybe sniff the juice. You're like, Sean, that's really weird and creepy. Maybe sacrilegious. I'm not trying to be crass or sacrilegious, but I'm just, let's just change it a little bit. That actually changes the meaning of it. The reason the Bible tells us to take in the body, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a picture. The, the wafer, the cracker, the bread is a picture of the body of Jesus. The juice or the wine is a picture of his blood. 
And we eat it, we consume it as a picture, again, that we have taken in Jesus' salvation. It doesn't actually do it, but it's a picture of it. And it changes the whole picture if you're not eating it. It changes the whole picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection if we don't do the immersion. And he, so we, we immerse. We do it that way. So where should we baptize? Is there special water? If you've been here at River a long time, you know this is Gilderland water. There's nothing special about it. In fact, you can have better tasting water if you go to the store, right? You can do, like, I've got better well water at my house. Now, I do. Sean, I've heard bad things about your water. Well, I've got two different wells. Like, there's good drinking water. If I like you and come to my house, you can have the good water. If I don't like you, you're stuck drinking the bad water. So that's the way we roll. We don't want you to come back again. You're like, I don't ever go to your house. I don't like water. So anyway, I'm, te- I'm playing with you guys. I'm messing with you. So where do you get baptized? Anywhere the church can gather. Lydia got baptized on the spot after receiving Jesus. And those folks, it was the beginning of the church there. And it's a public thing. It's not a private thing that you do. I I have mercy because a lot of people I talk to, well, Sean, I don't want to be up in front of people. I'm kind of introverted. I'm kind of shy. I don't want to be a spectacle. Listen, I get it. It is a little odd. If you step back, like seriously, everybody's just going to sit here and watch this. You just get wet in front of everybody. Like, like, well, that's weird. You know, it's kind of the point. It's kind of meant to stand out. It's kind of like Peter getting baptized. Why did you do that? What was up with that? So there's nothing special about where. I've baptized in a Chinese bathhouse. I've done it in ponds. I've done it in swimming pools. I've done it here. I've done it, you know, I haven't done it in the ocean yet. I've done it in most other things. There's no special place to do it. The issue is not the water that you're baptized in. The issue is that you are doing it publicly to let people know. That's the whole point. God knows you're saved. God knows your heart. You're not doing this so that He can know. You're not doing it so you can know. You know where you are. You're doing it so that other people know and that you're kind of outing yourself. It's, it's kind of like if you're a sports fan, you're brave enough to wear your team color, right? I won't insert a football joke in there. Maybe like a Patriots fan now because they're like 2-10 and 10 or 3-10 and 10 or whatever. It's horrible. Like, I'm still okay. Like, I still like the Patriots. I'll out myself. Yeah, don't keep your mouth shut, Lynn. So I'm, I'm man of two. It's what baptism is. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to be counted to be a follower of Jesus. That's the whole point. So who really ought to do it? Last little piece. It's The church baptizes people who are saved, who put their faith in Jesus. So that's what the Bible says in Matthew 28, what we demonstrated all along. You need to personally believe and receive Jesus as Lord. Folks, that's what ensures your, that is what your salvation is. It's nothing to do with this. That's your proof and your, your, that gains you heaven through what Jesus did. That's what changes your life now. That's what brings you into a relationship with God on this earth. And baptism is just telling people you've done that. And so when you've trusted Jesus, even if you've been baptized before, You knew Jesus. You didn't really know Jesus. You're more like those people in Ephesus. Peter, or Paul, excuse me, didn't run them down. It's like, oh, well, John's baptism wasn't really good. They didn't do it right. And that wasn't. No. I've had people, I've had some before tell me, well, if I get baptized again, you know, my parents sprinkled me when I was younger. I would feel like I was dissing them, like disrespecting them and their church and all that. Listen, you're not. That's a good thing to do. But just like Paul said, hey, you got that? Good for you. But now you need to do it fully the way that God intended. And so after you know Jesus, even if you were baptized before, it's something you should do afterwards. And the church is the one that he tells us in Matthew 28. You know, as Paul went around starting churches, there wasn't a church yet. In fact, he led people to Jesus. He baptized them. Then they were the church. And they were the ones that continued this. And the same for us. You know, it's, it's as and like Peter that we did, he didn't have a church. I wouldn't have baptized him had he had a church. I just said, Peter, go talk to your pastor. Go talk to those folks. They'll take care of you. 
But it was more like the Ethiopian, you know, like he didn't have a church. And so we were there sharing the gospel to start churches. And so we did it under the authority of our church in New York. And, uh, and so we do it as a church. It's a church thing to do, not just to kind of, hey, everybody just kind of do, you know, wherever. It's like, no, that's why God has us teaching and has pastors to help shepherd and help people take these steps. So, folks, I don't know where you are this morning and all of that, and I appreciate your paying attention and, and helping me as I waded through those things. I don't usually kind of do a theology class on a Sunday morning as I've done this morning, but let me boil it down to kind of some next steps here for all of us. If you've already known Jesus and you've already been baptized the way we're describing after your salvation, then the thing that you need to be thankful for to realize is that as you see Don getting baptized, you're reminded of your own salvation that Jesus freed you from your sins. In fact, 2,000 years ago, you were freed from your sins, that Jesus died on the cross. Well, Sean, I wasn't alive yet. How could I be freed from my sins? I'm like, listen, God is God, and He's you know, infinite and beyond all of that. My brain can't wrap around itself either, but it, we were there with Him, and we died with our sins and rose again. If you haven't been baptized before, and you do know Jesus, you've surrendered your life to Him, and I want to encourage you to take that next step. And listen, you know, this isn't the only way to do it, but it is a way. And at the end of the day, what matters is our obedience. Sometimes when people delay baptism, I've noticed this, when we delay doing the right thing, it gets harder to do. And we have to kind of build it up and make it bigger. I'll tell you a secret. I think so many people live together today before they get married. They don't have anything to look forward to. And so they put it all into the wedding. And the weddings get bigger and bigger and bigger in destination. When I got married, I was just glad to spend the night with my girl, my wife. I, that was what I was celebrating. I didn't care. I mean, put me in Rome, put me. I did my honeymoon in, in inner city of Schenectady. I don't care. I had the woman. That was good enough for me. And so when you delay doing the right thing, you have to build up and make it bigger. Well, I want to go get baptized here. I'm waiting for this and the right day. Folks, this is about obedience. This is like when my dad said mow the lawn, you know, if I came home and like, well, dad, it was two degrees too hot. I'm waiting for a better day. Well, I don't care. Wear a hat and drink some water and take a break. Well, I thought it was going to rain. You don't wait. It's something that you step forward. So you say, you know what? I have put it off too long. And if that's where you are, Dan or Steve or I would love to help you walk through that. But it's something that's important. It really is in your life. And so that's another thing to think about. And, and maybe you were baptized when you were younger and, and trusted Jesus and like, well, I've already been baptized. I don't need to do this. Maybe this is new for you. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize it's so kind of clear in Scripture. I'd be glad to sit down and talk about it as well. Or maybe you're like, Sean, I heard all of what you said. I don't really buy it. In fact, I'm really bothered by it. Well, let's talk, all right? Let's, let's look. We just, but whatever God is kind of, you've been thinking in your heart, respond to Him today. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.